Welcome to Intercepted for Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by a very special guest, Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. Say what's up to the people, Trevor. What's up, you guys? I appreciate you having me on, man. This could be fun. Uh, I didn't even, I honestly, I didn't even think about the incredible podcast opportunities that were going to happen. And then at the beginning of the week, you just DM me and said, let's pod. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, we're doing Absolutely. this. We got to do it. Absolutely. I love Trevor. Um, he used to cover the Bucks. Now I was at PFF full time. What? Okay. Packers fans maybe need a wide receiver. You guys watch all these wide receivers. Give me like three guys, college football, to keep an eye on. Ooh. Okay, hold on. I got to pull up my list because I want to make sure that I get this right <laughs> for the Packers. Okay, 2023. Because I'm already, I'm already watching 2023 guys, which is extremely degenerate of me, I know. But uh, okay, wide receivers. Jack Smith and Jigba is the obvious one, but I don't know if the Packers are going to be picking high enough to get Jack Smith and Jigba. But like, if he ends up going to the Ohio State wide receiver, um, if they could pick his teammate Marvin Harrison Jr., they would love to. Problem is, he's just a sophomore, but he's really good, and he would be this target monster for Aaron Rodgers. He would actually keep Aaron Rodgers sane, and he'd give somebody to go to at any point in time. So, like, I like Smith and Jigba. I also like Quentin Johnston. I don't know if you've watched him. He's the TCU shooter. guy you dude he yeah. has like zero production which obviously worries me because if you're good i would like for you to have production but he's kind of a he's kind of a crazy dude athletically he's just like tall big strong fast explosive all those things so like he's another one that i like i don't love Keishon Butte as much as everybody else the LSU wow kid. the lsu kid i know and i feel like weird about it because everybody's in on him but i'm like He's kind of just like a yards after catch monster. I don't know. I, I I I feel like a lot of his big production, he does things well. I'm not saying he's trash, but I think he's a little bit overrated. So I'm not going to say Keishon Butte, but I guess I will say Jordan Addison too, the wide receiver from U, USC who won the Bolitnikoff Award at Pitt. Now he's a USC with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, and as you would expect, he's putting up absolutely bonkers numbers. So. That's probably that's probably a good. That, those are probably the ones that are uh, at the top of the list that I would say: Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Quinn Johnson, the ones that I actually like. Awesome. Well, we got plenty of uh, wide receivers to talk about in this upcoming game. I mean, it's the story of the game. I was on <laughs> Mina Kimes' show yesterday. All we did basically for this preview was talk about how all banged up these wide receivers are and how banged up the offensive line for the Bucks is. Not great as it stands today. I get it up. So Julio Jones is not practicing, did Correct. not practice yesterday. He was a game time decision going into week two, right? Yep. Mike yep. Evans is suspended. He appealed the suspension. It got upheld by the league. So he's out for the game. It's rigged. It's rigged. Uh, John Runyon's like, kid. John Runyon Jr. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. His kid is on the Packers. This so is the worst suspended. conspiracy theory in the world. That John Runyon, that's the reason. He threw a punch. No, I know. <laughs> He, bl me? he blindsided Marshawn Lattimore for what the third season in a row. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, this was never going to no. get over no. overturned. It That's matter. what I thought was funny. Is like, I want to read what the appeal was. <laughs> I want to read what the appeal was because that's <laughs> wild to appeal that. Did you see? Did you see that like everybody was clamoring, like, okay, well, like now get a Bucks legend to like be the one who handles the appeal process like put the uh, put the appeal before like Derek Brooks or whatever whoever well, yeah, they Derek Brooks was one of the two guys who's in charge who's charge of appeals I think it went to the other guy but I can't yeah. remember but I just thought I, I am with you it was a conspiracy theory that was absolutely hilarious that you it's threw like a punch yeah <laughs> that was the dumbest conspiracy theory I've ever heard um and then Chris Godwin the other, you know, one of three major wide receivers in Tampa mm -hmm. also missed back-to-back -back practices. So big old, big old question marks at this point for Tampa. On the flip side, Alan Lazard ankle, um, he's been dealing with that. He missed practice. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Thursday. He's out. Sammy Watkins is out with a hamstring. Christian Watson's out with a hamstring. Randall Cobb's missed back-to-back -back practices with an illness. You and I are going to play wide receiver for for this game. We might be all-time wide receiver, too, like playing both sides. Give me a game check. I'll be in the hospital later that night, but the check will clear, dude. It'll be fine. Look, if Tom Brady's going to yell at somebody, just yell at me. I'll take it. I'll, <laughs> I'll fall on the sword. Like, he could be yelling at Scotty Miller again, or he'll just yell at me. I'd rather him yell at me. That's fine. Well, even those guys. Like, I saw, like, 
Scotty Miller, Rashad Perriman, all those guys were listed as limited yesterday. And I was yeah. like, are you kidding me? They can't be that banged up. The Packers are so banged up. They brought back Travis Fulgham, who they released earlier in the week from the practice squad, back to the practice squad. I mean, I think they just need bodies in practice to throw to. And it's like, <laughs> right? holy right. crap. Yeah, hey, we'll take a – me and you will take just, like, practice squad salaries. Like, we don't even have to play. Like, don't put us on the 53. Just chuck us the ball in practice, and we'll – that'll be good. No, I, I don't think – so, Perryman, I think he's going to play. I'd be shocked if Perryman doesn't play. Right. I'd be shocked if Scotty Miller doesn't play. I think he's going to play, too. Russell Gage, the same way. I think that Russell Gage is going to play. But we're now two days in a row. Hamstring injuries are really tricky with Chris Godwin, so I'd kind of be wary of him playing this week, especially because the Bucks play the Chiefs the week after. So they're thinking about that too, about like, are they going to be able to push it with different players? Julio, I have no idea because they're being really vague with Julio. Because like, like Wednesday was supposed to be an off day for him, right? Like it was supposed to be a scheduled off day. But yes. then they come back on Thursday. He's still not practicing, but he was a game time decision last week. It's really hard to read what's going on with Julio. Yeah, I don't really I don't really know. And like for as much as people might want to sit here and be like, okay, it's old ass Julio Jones, who cares? Like it that Julio matters a lot right now, especially yeah. with no Evans, especially with no Godwin. Anybody who watched the Saints Bucks game yesterday, uh, like this past week watched Brady just scream at his wide receivers because they were just letting him down time after time again. So um, even a, even a beat up Julio Jones would mean a lot to a game where they're scraping, both teams seem to be scraping the bottom, bottom of the barrel for some pass catchers. Yeah. I mean, so the Bucks signed Cole Beasley this week and you said uh, they talked about it in the press conference. They're trying to get him right. So in case he has to play this week, that's right. crazy. Yeah, he has no familiarity with that system. I don't think he's going to play. But again, like it, they didn't they didn't come out and flat out say like, no, Cole's not playing because they know damn well that if the guys who are hurt can't play, they're just going to have to throw him out there. And Tom's just going to look at Cole and call the play. And then he's going to be like, you get open, just like find yeah. to find a piece of grass to get open. And like, that's how desperate it is. I don't think Beasley's going to play, but they didn't shut the door, which just tells you how desperate both these teams are okay let's talk about the offensive line okay so obviously you've lost a center pretty yeah. big deal um robert hainsey is another guy that was limited on on uh on the injury report on wednesday i assume he's gonna play i just assume mm-hmm. you're limited on wednesday not a big deal like yeah. you're, you're gonna end up playing Donovan Smith missed practice. He also missed the game last week. He had a hyperextended elbow. I guess he came in with like a big old brace on it mm-hmm. uh, when he did end up practicing on Thursday. If he can't go, Brandon Walton, who's never started an NFL game before, is going to have to play left tackle because um, Josh Wells, who's a pr- replacement left tackle, just got put on IR this week. Holy crap. It's not great. It's not great. It's really not. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's injuries along the entire offensive line. You highlighted him there. You know, I think Hainsey will be fine. I agree with you. I think that he's going to play. I don't know if Donovan Smith's going to play because the way that they described his elbow injury is essentially pain management at this point. Yeah, because he toughed it out in week one after he got, he right. got banged up. And that's, that's completely up to the guy. So, like w- – we whether or not Donovan Smith like continues to practice he's probably going to still have the brace on if he plays this week he's probably still going to have the brace on and essentially it's just going to come down to Sunday morning like if he wakes up and he feels like he's all right and he can play you know if he's popping like 19 Adderall or whatever or uh or or Advil just to, like <laughs> Adderall not Adderall I mean he could I guess but that probably won't go well for him Richard Sherman but <laughs> but the, I mean the offensive line is there's no doubt that it's it's an issue now like the guys who have played I think like Shaq Mason's been good. Tristan Wirfs is obviously really good. I think yeah, the right side good. of the line's solid. I'm not worried about the right side of the line. It's it's the combo of Hainsey, Godecki, and then potentially Brandon Walton. That's and that's next to each be, other. And you know what the you know what the biggest issue for that is, and something that's not really being talked about a ton because when people talk about like the Bucks pass catching weapons and they're talking about wide receivers and they're talking about the injuries to the wide receivers. They have a fully healthy tight end room that is not helping them at all whatsoever. Like Cam Brate has not been reliable early on this season. And even for Cam Brate, it always felt like he's been a, a tight end two at best. 
He's kind of this guy that kind of gets to come into the game plan defense, forgets about him a little bit, and he's able to catch a first down ball every now and then throughout the game. Him being a tight end one isn't great. Co'Keefe is a rookie. And um, just basically when you look at their tight end, K-Dotton as well. K-Dotton is, is the other one who is at the top of my head, who is also a rookie. Without Gronkowski, they don't have a tight end that they can rely on, not just in the passing game, but to help the offensive line. Like there's nobody who can really help and sit next to that right side of the line. Like you're talking about that you're so worried about. If you had Gronkowski on this team, you could stick him in line and basically just say, yeah, you're on the right side of the line of scrimmage the entire game. And he's going to be able to help you out because he's such a really good blocker, but they don't have that this year. So you're seeing a lot more growing pains with that. And, and I think not having Gronkowski is just a big reason why they're not going to get a lot of help along the offensive line. So it's almost like if Donovan Smith can't play, you're just doing your Hail Marys and you're, and you're praying that those guys can hold up on that side. Have we come like full circle on tight end where I feel like a couple of years ago when guys like Jason Morrow, for example, from like Texas mm-hmm. tech, like I remember him coming out and like all people care about cared about was really production in the passing game, right. From the tight end position. And then those guys got beat the hell up. I mean, they just dominate those guys at the line of scrimmage and they're like, we're going to take you out of this game. I feel like we've gotten back to the point where it's like, yeah, tight ends are supposed to block. Like that's what they're supposed to do primarily. And then, you know, I guess some of these guys who are like, quote unquote, tight ends, but aren't actually tight ends, like uh, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, like those guys are just like mismatch guys, right? Right. But everyone else, like there's like six of those on earth right now. Everyone else has to be a blocker. Look, I would have told you that Kyle Pitts is one of them, and Arthur Smith maybe doesn't even see Kyle Pitts as one of those guys because he's throwing the damn football. So, no, I mean, I, look, you're totally right. When I know, obviously, we've done a lot of work in the draft, and over the last three, four, five years, whatever it is, everybody was super obsessed with like, oh, these unique alien type of players at the tight end position. That's the future of the NFL. That's where we need to go. But sometimes I do feel like you get a little bit of these situations where it's uh square peg in a round hole, if you will, like the GM maybe really wants one of these mismatched tight ends, but the head coach or whoever's implementing the offense is like, no, like my, my tight ends got to help in line most of the time. So you just go, nah, screw it. We got to draft this guy. He's, he's just too good to pass up and you don't have the system in place or you don't have even the willingness to get the most out of that. And so I, I do think that there is something to that point of, maybe we realized we swung a little bit too far. Like maybe receiving ability yeah. isn't the only thing that matters with tight ends. So I, I do think that there, there's a great point to that because we're seeing it in Tampa right now. They don't have a blocking tight end that they could go to. They don't have Gronkowski. They don't have OJ Howard anymore. And then for a while they had Anthony Auclair, who was their third tight end, who was a big time blocker who allowed him to get in those super heavy tight end sets because he was so reliable on the line of scrimmage. They don't really have any of those guys right now. And so it's definitely killing them. It's definitely hurting them for sure. The Packers, I mean, Packers fans certainly have seen it over the past year and a half with, you know, Bakhtiari out at very least at left tackle, right? So you have Mercedes Lewis. He's an unbalanced tackle, essentially. Mm-hmm. That he's, I think he's never gotten more than like 200 yards in like his four years at Green Bay. Which like is that- crazy that he's still playing with yes. that as his role because isn't he like 38 or something yeah he is and he's talked about playing into his 40s and what? if he wants to I'm, I'm gonna let him <laughs> sure i'm gonna let him and then anytime you know they're out a guy at left tackle like robert tunyon then doesn't become like this crazy pass catcher he's mm-hmm. like chip help a lot of chip help yeah and it's like yeah it, it, that's kind of what happened like maybe it looks good for a general manager, they're like, look, we're set at tackle. We're gonna go, we're gonna go for a pass catching tight end. And then it's right. like one injury away, and you're like, Ooh, I regret that one. I yep. regret that one a yep. lot. Is okay. I'm I'm sure that you're tired of talking about this. Is Bakhtiari gonna play or like play ever? I what, what are have we doing no here? Fucking clue. I have no idea. He said he's gonna be weird. one ge- one game on. Or one practice on, one practice off. They said that last week. That's not how they treated week one, okay? So not how they treated week one. New rules week two. Okay. Week three starts. He's out on Wednesday. 
there's no practice on Tuesday. Tuesday's the off day. So he, he's off on Wednesday for a Friday practice. I don't know. I have no idea. They said today they're really just weird. trying to like figure out a schedule that works. And I'm like, there's no plan here, is there? But it's okay. So so that tells me that it's it's got it's a him thing, right? Because if it was if it was more truly like health related, like getting you hundred percent, like being healthy to play in a game, I feel like they'd be able to structure a plan better. And I get that you kind of got to be flexible with certain things, especially for as long as he's been out. But I, it just the whole process as an outsider seems like it, does this dude does he want to play anymore? Still, I don't know. It, I don't it, know it if it's really I, odd. This is speculation, but this is speculation. But I have talked to people. I think there's a little bit. This is a little bit more on the mental side, sure, than on sure. the physical side. And yeah. you got to be tricky when you say things like that. I'm not blaming him. Anything like that? No, of course. If but he's not, look, if he's not comfortable playing, he's not comfortable playing. I don't think anybody wants right. him to play if he doesn't want to be out there. That's for right. sure. But I, right. I just wonder if there is a like if that's that's an element at this point with him. I mean, I think it has to be. You you look at the Packers. They're an extremely conservative team in terms of injuries, right? Mm-hmm. They're the team that follows all the Rams stuff, right? We're not going to play in the preseason, any of that stuff. Yeah. They cleared him last year. They cleared yeah. him last year. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers went up to him and was like, you should play in week 18. He said that. He was like, I wasn't planning on playing the last week of the season. And then Rodgers was like, you should play. He played well and then pulled himself out. Mm. They did not start him this year on the PUP. He wouldn't have taken a roster spot for the first four weeks of the season, Mm. right? Yeah. So now we're going to go to – so this is an extremely conservative team that has set deadlines twice, right? Last year by activating him off of the injured reserve and just not playing him at all. This year by not placing him on the PUP to start the year. And he'll – they basically miss miss time those two deadlines. That's hard for me to believe that a team this conservative in terms of on the injury front would do that. So, Matt, so he's thirty. I just looked it up. Okay, he's, yeah. th- he's so he's thirty. Matt Lafleur said he has quote no idea. That was if yesterday. David, if David Bakhtiari will play? Yeah, they asked him. You know, is he going to play this week? He says, I have no idea. It's like, okay. Well, not great. That's not great. Yeah. So I'm just going to assume it's Josh Nyman. At left tackle until something drastically changed. I mean, he said what a name. he said Bakhtiari even even when he's healthy enough to play games will not be practicing in back to back practices, which is crazy. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? He's healthy enough to play games, but he can't do two practices in a row. Hey, it's a good gig if you can get it though. Ball not practicing? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. Players always say that, right? Like they're like, "You pay me to practice." I'd do the games for free. So, yeah, I guess that makes it. Tell me about Brandon Walton, this potential starting left tackle for the Buccaneers. Do you know anything about him? Because I feel like I follow the draft pretty well, especially in the trenches. I don't think I ever heard of Brandon Walton. Brother, I don't know much about him. I really don't. I, I, did, <laughs> not think, I did not think that we were going to be at this point in the season. I really don't. Um Florida Atlantic. I didn't even know where he went to school. He went to Florida Atlantic. Undrafted dude. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so at some point you played with Kiffin. That's all I got. Yeah, true. That's true. like it. That's all that's all I got on this Brandon Walton. That is a man with these outside linebackers. So let's talk about the Packers defense a little bit. With these outside right. linebackers, that left side, I'm really excited. Cause this could be like the, this could be like the Preston Smith game. Yeah. I mean, you should be, I mean, like it was, it was ugly. Even when they had Wells in there, when Donovan Smith went down in week one, now it's Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons, as we are realizing is just a certified alien, but like Parsons feasted on the guys who were hurt. Uh, the mm. players who were, who were coming in for, for the starters. And so like, there is, there is no doubt about it that there is going to be areas on that right side of the offensive line for the Buccaneers that the Packers can exploit. And that's probably how you're going to win the game, right? Tom Brady, not the most mobile guy in the world now. He is somebody who has the ability to recognize things pre-snap to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. And you're hoping that he can help the offensive line with different kinds of 
shifts and call outs and just ways to help them as much as possible. I know they'll probably keep Leonard Fournette on that side, on his right side to be able to chip and help whenever he can. But then it goes back to wide receivers. Okay. Well, which wide receivers do you have faith in that you can get the ball to immediately that are going to be able to win right away off the line of scrimmage? I don't know. I don't know if they have those guys. So there's no doubt that that is a pivotal matchup for this game of, of how the Packers are going to choose to attack that right side of the offensive line. Can Leonard Fournette help any of those guys out in any way, shape, and form? And are the Bucks receivers going to be able to separate well enough out of their breaks? Do they have those kinds of players? Because it feels like, you know, Scotty Miller, his separation's deep speed. You know, Brashad Perryman, his separation's deep speed. Those that require you hanging on to the ball pretty long. You know, maybe and Russell the Packers Wade. are fine just playing quarters, too. Right. And like oh. maybe Russell Gage can be that guy because I think Russell Gage is going to play. But that's, I mean, not a ton of options. There's really not. So there's a, they got a conundrum for sure with what's going on on that right side of the line if Donovan Smith doesn't play. It'll be interesting to see what Tampa can do because I always felt like even last year, the weakness of the Packers team wasn't necessarily their starters, but like if you could keep their starters on the field long enough that like the backup guys in the box came into the game, that's when you could just like sit back there, pat the ball. You're not getting pressured really at all. And then maybe you can make these because the defense really is trying to limit big plays mm-hmm. first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. With all the quarters that they're playing and stuff like that. Yeah. So how can Tampa stay on the field long enough to get a Preston Smith, uh, Kenny Clark, who's another guy who's had a really good uh, year this season, a Rashawn Gary, you know, get those guys subbed out for someone else. Like how do they sustain drives? Cause you want against this Packers defense, you want long drives more right. than anything. Right. Right. Well, I mean, they gave up a lot of yards against Chicago on the ground last week, right? To Montgomery. And if you look that was at, at what, that was at the end of the game. I want to be clear about this. So I'm gonna sound like I'm coping here. That was at the end of the game. LaFleur even came out and said, uh, you know, they were in weird personnel. So like Montgomery had two long runs, one on a second and ten. Mm-hmm. This is the penultimate drive for the Bears. Um, and then like a second and twenty, and they got first downs on both of them. They were in 12 personnel and the Packers Soft. defensively were in nickel. Soft. And yeah, the Packers, <laughs> the Packers were like, you're down multiple scores. You're definitely going to pass it in this situation. And they were yeah. like, no, nope, we're going to run the ball. And then, That's then fair. they got caught That's, with their pants down. That's definitely fair. But I will say I, to, to the point that I was going to make, it kind of does still stand. When you look at what the Bucks have been doing on neutral downs, they've been running the ball a lot more than they had been in the past. You know, Todd Bowles is, the head coach now, it's not Bruce Arians. Arians is still there, but I got to think that Bowles has had his hands on even the offensive game plan with what Byron Leftwich is doing because the Bucks were very pass heavy on uh, neutral downs, especially on, you know, first downs last year, the last couple of years. And certainly against the Saints, that was not the case, man. They were running the football. And I, I wonder if they went into that game plan thinking we don't really have the wide receivers to be able to pass the ball the way we want to. So we're just going to run our offense mainly through the ground game. And that was with Mike Evans to start the game. So yeah. I guess, I mean, the, the the way to answer your question is I think they've just got to have success running the ball. Cause I don't know how much yeah. success they're going to have passing it. I really don't. And the way that they've had their preference so far this year is they want to attack on the ground. First and foremost, it seems like they want to hashtag establish it on the ground when they are starting these drives. So the way that you have these longer drives, the way that you keep the Packers on the defense on the field for a long time is I think it's just going to be sustained runs. And that's what they'll need anyways. If they want to take pressure off of those guys that you mentioned, being able to pin their ears back and really tee off against, um, I was saying the right side of the line, it's the left side of the line. That's the, that's the hurt side of the offensive line. So like that left side of the offensive line is you just got to be able to think that bucks are going to be able to run it at any point in time, probably because they are. And I think that if they're going to have sustained runs or if they're going to have sustained drives, it's probably going to be a heavy percentage of them being able to have a good ground game. Yeah. The one thing that, is kind of the Achilles heel in this defense right now in terms of, you know, these the guys who are starters out there right now. Rashawn Gary, great pass rusher. He will lose contain at the blink of an eye. Mm. Like, he he will lose it. Um, You know, Kenny Clark on the inside, one of the two best nose tackles in the game, I'll say. 
Uh, I don't know if he's better than Vita Vea, but he's right up there with him. And then, you know, Preston Smith's a great edge setter. So it's like, Rashawn, please, if you're listening, please set the edge this week. We need you. We need you. Nah, Brandon, Brandon Walton's got his ass. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, wanna... Brandon, Brandon Walton's putting his bulldozer attachment on. One more question before we get you out of here, or mm-hmm. before we flip sides of the ball. Tom Brady, is yes. he quite quitting? He took a week off, right? He missed camp. That's a very weird thing to do. Now he's taking Wednesdays off in the season. What's going on? You know what? I actually thought about this last week. As I was sitting in my silence thinking about Tom Brady, as I often do. And I actually believe that there's a chance that he retires during the season. I I, I actually think there's, I actually think there's a, there's a, higher than non-zero chance that he retires in, in the middle of the season. Cause I do think that something is up in his personal life. I don't want to go yeah. full TMZ on it. Obviously everybody has read things and seen the tweets and all that. And like, I don't know what's real and what's not, but Tom even said himself, obviously when asked about the questions, he didn't deny a lot of it. He said, I'm 45 years old. I got a lot of shit going on. And you know, he goes to the Bahamas with his family right before in training camp and people are like, Oh, you know, this was planned. And like, it just, it, it, it seems like there's a lot going on in his life that isn't necessarily helping him mentally yeah, uh, on the football field. It seems no, like buy it. it's, it's going tough. on are very draining for him. It's tough on families, man. It really is. Especially if you've been doing it. And that's, that's the thing. Like everything that we've all heard is, Giselle's been handling a lot of the parent responsibilities for them at home for Tom to be the goat, put the time that he needs to into football. And I feel like it seems like they had a, an, an agreement about that. And um, maybe they didn't exactly have an agreement about him coming out of retirement, which hasn't been great, but uh, I do. I, I think that, I don't know if he's quiet quitting. I don't know if he's going to retire during the season, but I, it's a non-zero chance because I think that he's definitely dealing with some stuff off the field. So a hundred percent. I mean, no, no one can aggregate this. I'm putting this. I don't usually do this. No one can aggregate this if I say it. Um, So when I worked at the XFL, right, obviously worked under Oliver Luck and Mm -hmm. worked with Andrew Luck's center, Sam Schwartzstein um, when he was at Stanford. So like, I got to talk to them a little bit about kind of like Luck's decision to retire and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, dude, I am on the training table for so long that it's like causing strain on my family to the point where for Luck to play again that season, right? It it was branded as he was going to be able to play. And then it was like, actually, he's still dealing with this injury. Mm -hmm. He gets the news of like what the rehab is going to look like, right? For him to come back that season, it was basically a decision of like, do I want to keep my family together or not? And that was the decision on retirement, right? And it's like, I understand that. After a certain amount of money, like Tom Brady can retire today and there will be people who undisputedly argue he's the best quarterback of all time, best football player of all time, most winning player in sports outside of maybe Michael Jordan, right? right. In American right. sports. Like for who, for what at that point? Because you got to start thinking about the rest of your life. And that's the crazy part, too. He's already got the deal with Fox, right? He has something Mm -hmm. immediately in football the second he retires. So, like, he's already got that inked, and that is ready for him whenever he decides to retire. He does not have anything to prove. Like, not only only has he won multiple Super Bowls, not only does he have all the NFL records, not only does he have all that, I think what is, is most important and the thing that would maybe drive him at this point, he has a ring without Bill. Like he already yes. has it. They won the Super Bowl in Tampa. He did it without Belichick. That was the one thing in his career that you could have argued, okay, he hasn't proven this yet. He already did it. Yeah. So for Tom Brady to come back and play at 45 this year, the only thing I can think of is when he said a couple of years ago he wanted to play until he was 45. And this is his 45-year-old season. And I do still think that he enjoys football. I don't think that he would have come back if he didn't enjoy the game. Clearly he does. Clearly he doesn't want to let go of it, but there's no doubt that it's affecting him off the field and it's affecting his family life and it's affecting his personal life. 
and it's getting it's got to be really hard at this point for Tom to justify things if stuff is in fact going on with his family what is he striving for it's not money it's not glory it's not rings what is it outside yeah. of him basically just saying I want to keep playing football which hey I mean, he he wants to keep playing football. He wants to keep playing the game. That's cool. But is that worth sacrificing the other parts of your life that you yeah. probably love going to the wayside? Probably not. So that's yeah. kind of what I think about all of it. On that light note, mm-hmm. take a break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about Green Bay's offense and Tampa Bay's defense. And we're back. All right. This defense frightens me. Is there any – what is the weak link on this defense? Tell me. Brother, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that – like everyone the, is good. Everyone flies around at 100 miles an hour. I mean, the defensive line is young and energetic and deep, and they've got Vita Vea in the middle who's not even playing his best football. And he when he's not out there, Rakeem Nunez Roches is playing well. Shaq Barrett's still a monster. Tryon Shoyinka's – coming into his own. Will Golston's one of the best depth defensive linemen in the game. Logan Hall is so unique with his size where they could put him along the defensive line. Behind him, you've got Levante David, who is obviously a master at coverage with as experienced as he is and how good he has been over the years in coverage. Devin White it would have been the weak link of what a lot of people say, like, oh, you got to attack Devin White in coverage. He's even playing better in coverage this year. And he's, of course, flying around to the ball like he always does. In the secondary, you go, okay, uh, maybe there's some areas to attack there. Jamel Dean's playing better than he ever has. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. It was just a matter of, is the processing going to be there for him? It is. He's better with his technique. He's more disciplined. Carlton Davis is a shutdown outside corner who could play against any wide receiver one in the NFL, it feels like. They've got one of the coolest damn safety rotations in the NFL between sure. Logan between Logan Ryan, Antoine Winfield Jr., and Mike Edwards. Those three guys, we throw around the word versatility so much. The versatility those guys have is actually legit. They play Mike Edwards freaking everywhere, and he reads the field unbelievably well. Antoine Winfield Jr. can play so many places. He can play free safety. He played 50 snaps from the slot in week one. Yeah. And so at Logan Ryan, he's playing single high. He's playing strong safety down near the box. Like, it is so hard. This team is number one in the NFL in points given up. I think they've only given up 6.5 points per game. And the reason is just because it is so hard to find a weak link. It's yeah. really hard to find a weak link in this team. I wish I had a better answer for that. I'm on a Packers podcast right now. I want you guys to be happy. I want to give you a little bit of hope, but I don't know. Because outside, yeah. of, outside of these guys that we've seen on the field playing – worse than they have in the first two weeks it is really hard to find an area of this Buccaneers team that you think you can go into a game plan and attack you know like I said it's it's not like they're playing perfect on every single play but it's not like you go okay they're bad at run defense we're going after this or they can be had over the middle with coverage let's attack that consistently one of those things might mess up here and there because it's defense that's natural but to continue to think that would happen throughout a game consistently, that's where you get tricky tricky in, in what kind of game plan you have as an offense. Because the big deal last year, right, was Tampa was just so banged up in the secondary mm-hmm. that they then kind of got exposed a little bit, especially with how kind of aggressive they are in, in terms of blitzes. And they've been less aggressive this year than they have in the past, which just kind of right. surprised me. One thing the Packers haven't really seen yet is a whole lot of um whole lot of pressures, honestly. Like Chicago just basically spot drop zone the entire game. Minnesota wasn't doing a ton of it. I mean, Minnesota's basically running the the uh Brandon Staley stuff, Fangio stuff that's everywhere in the league right now. They played a ton of quarter, put ton of uh quarter, quarter half, stuff like that. This will be like the first test against like a pressure defense, even though Tampa has dialed down a little bit there. Um, defensively so I'm interested to see kind of like what they do what the Packers do in the run game right so like the big thing in the past couple weeks or I guess there's only two weeks of the season um, the Packers have become a pin and pull team so they're pulling both guards or they're making adjustments and pulling the center whatever Mm -hmm. Um, they're basically running sweet plays right and 
Aaron Jones right now is damn near averaging 10 yards per carry. You look at uh, first down percentages. I think Aaron Jones is like 50 something percent leads the league in terms of carries that go for first downs. Oh, damn. Third in the league is AJ Dillon. So <laughs> it's like they, they've had a good amount of success running the ball when they've actually been in a position to run the ball. Minnesota got them out of that really early on in the game. But the Packers previously under LaFleur, I mean, they did some jet motion stuff in kind of his first year. They were basically an inside zone, outside zone team. Last year, they added on like the duo stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And now they've kind of gotten away from all of that, which is basically just like area blocking, right? All of that stuff is just kind of like no one's really pulling. It's not a gap scheme, anything like that. It's just variations of zone. Now they're like a full-blown like pin and pull team. And I don't know if it's because of the injuries that they've had on the offensive line or what's going on there, but they've had a good amount of success with it. I assume Nyman's going to play left tackle. I think the rest of the guys are, are, you know, it's going to be the same. Like Elton is going to start at right tackle again. Um, He's not even, they even dropped down. He used to have a knee slash pectoral designation on the injury report. Now it's just knee. I assume he's going to play again in, in, in uh, week three. I don't think any either tackle between Nyman and Jenkins had a great game or Josh Myers at center last week. And they still were able to rip the Chicago bears. Mm -hmm. And if they get better, I'm excited for it. The only thing is like gap scheme run game against pressure defense. That's TFLs are big games, right? Right. Those are windshield wipers on both sides. Like the blitz is a windshield wiper. The down blocks are a windshield wiper. Like, can you get into the backfield with enough penetration to tackle Aaron Jones for TFL is like the difference between minus six or plus 15. I'm curious to how well that's going to work against Tampa because off right off the bat, and it's easy to say this because of how successful Tampa has been on their defense side of the ball, but like, I tell you, it's not going to work. And I tell you, it's mainly not going to work because of the safeties because Logan Ryan and Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield Jr. are so good at flying down and funneling these running backs to be able to get back to where the linebackers are. And Levante David's so good at what he does. Uh, Obviously, Devin White, even even for when he was at his, his coverage limitations, the guy's great at pursuit, right? He'll fly to the ball. So if you can make sure that you're cutting these guys off to the outside when you're running more towards the outside, then that's just the, I feel like the linebackers are going to be able to feast in that regard. So I don't know how much they're going to blitz. That's interesting because while you were just talking, I was looking it up because I agree with you. I was like, I don't think they're blitzing as much this year. They're third in the NFL. So they got 46 blitzes <laughs> so far this it's year. It's like they so toned I mean, it down. They toned it right, down. They're, they're not far and away the first team, but they're still in the top five. So there is a decent amount of those. I didn't think that they I didn't think that they would be third, but I guess there is. So I, I agree with you. It's it's it seems like that's also a breaking point in the game. If that's how the Packers are going to attack the ground game, is a lot of pin and pull stuff. If Tampa's bringing pressure, you're right. It's it's basically going to be feast or famine for one of these teams, however they're running it. So. I think, again, the safeties are the big story if they want to do that just because of how well all of those safeties are coming down. Yeah, It just feels like a lot of teams when you are rotating with, okay, we have a heavy single high play selection choice that we like to go to. Maybe you'll have like a designated guy that you love to play on the back end in single high. They don't have that. Mike Edwards will play single high. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. will play single high. Logan Ryan will play single high. And yet all of those guys will also do the other responsibilities because the Bucks play a lot of too high stuff now, like everybody else is. They're playing right. a lot of too high safeties. They're playing a lot of quarters. So it's just the, the rotation that they have and, and, and the confidence that they have for all of their safeties to be able to come downhill and help in the run very quickly. That's going to be, I think, the telling tale of who ends up winning that matchup if the Bucks defense stays aggressive with blitzing. I could see Tampa winning like a nine to six game here. I think it's going to be low scoring. I really yeah. do. I think it's, I think both teams are going to score less than 20 points. You you look at Tampa's offense and you're like, I want to believe. And then you look at the other side and it's like, I don't know if we can score against this team. I know the running backs of, I just mentioned, right? Like the Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, first down conversion carry percentage, right? It's really good. But like, this is, 
this is the most talented defense in the league. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're going to be there at the end of the season, right? Because, you know, we saw last year, like, a couple injuries in the secondary can sure change a whole lot for the sure, team. Right. But, like, right now, they're the most talented defense in the league, like, just in terms of pure talent. And that's even with Akeem Hicks now out, right? Right. I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the Packers offensively at wide receiver have kind of been weird. So we mentioned earlier, right? Like tight end, they've really been using Lewis and Tunyon to, to block a whole lot more mm-hmm. um, just because of the nature of not having David Bakhtiari in at left tackle. Alan Lazard was kind of used as like that insert blocker a whole lot this past week. Didn't have a whole lot of touches. Sammy Watkins had three receptions, I believe. They were all on Yankee. So like mm-hmm. there's just play action shots. Right. Um, they try to get him involved in the screen game a little bit, but then, uh, or RPO game, but he couldn't end up catching a glance. Um, Romeo Dobbs has caught screens for them. He's done an end around Christian Watson. He had that one big shot play, right. That they tried to attempt, oh. but then, um, since then it's been a bunch of jet motion stuff. So like, there's not really like a cohesive way to like feed these guys, the ball consistently. Right. So. I'm really worried about the passing game because I really don't want this team to take play action shots against this secondary that's playing so good against yeah. these guys pass rushing when Aaron Rodgers has been taking a good amount of hits already early on in the season. Like I'm scared he's going to get hurt. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of thinking through it in my head. I guess if you're going to exploit something, maybe if Tampa's going to be aggressive – you're probably still going to go after Devin White no matter what. But, I mean, if he's the only weak link, that's that's tough. You know, and he's like, not just, even like a weak link. No, like he not start not, for most teams. <laughs> not yeah, not not nearly anymore. You know, he's even playing more comfortable in in coverage, especially in zone. I think he's got a better feeling for zone this year. But I mean, if you're running some play action stuff, he'll definitely bite for it because he's an aggressive linebacker, and that's kind of in his nature. But I, I agree with you. I think that this game's going to be like. 16 to 10 Tampa's gonna win because I don't know how I'm much I can slam and under here I don't slam know much... under. What, is, what is the under on this game let me look it up uh let me see week three. Oh, dude for week one we do um we do locks like our favorite bets uh, yeah. on the show and I was slamming Tampa Dallas over I was like fireworks in this game best offenses in the NFL even with this some of the subtractions as they've had via injury and guys not being on the team anymore like Amari Cooper being gone uh Sergio Wilson being gone Michael Gallup being hurt all the stuff I was like dude they're hitting we're they're hitting over 50 easy we're about sparks are about to fly and it was it was not that <laughs> at all whatsoever so um, uh the the total in this game yes 42 points Tampa opened up on Sunday as a three-point favorite. It's down to one. Yeah, I saw it's down to one today. That's crazy. I Okay, let's get into predictions at this point. Okay. We've talked about this game enough. Tampa minus one? I'd take Tampa. I want to believe. I want to believe in Green Bay. I think after week one, mentally, I was already at one and two. Because I was like, this Tampa team is just too strong on the defensive side. You have Tom Brady, all those wide receivers. I want to believe because of the left tackle situation, because you're down a center, because Mm -hmm. you might be out your top three wide receivers. I want to believe this team can win. I just don't know how they score points against this defense. That's my biggest worry. Because that that pin and pull stuff, that's their bread and butter right now. And that can go very wrong very quickly for them. And if they get in a hole, you're out your run game. And then what can you do passing against these guys? It's going to be cause, impossible. Because that's, that's the big issue, right? You know, when you when you look at a team that's having success doing a certain, especially like in the beginning of the year, right? You, you talk about how the run game was a little bit different in the past. Now in this year, they're running a lot of pin and pull stuff. So it's early in their year. They're not, there's not a ton of tape on it yet. So when you're going up against certain defenses, sometimes either the head coach slash defensive coordinator, whoever it is, maybe doesn't know exactly how to go up against it or Mm -hmm. they do, but they don't have the horses, if you will, to win the race. They don't, they don't necessarily have the bodies or the players to be able to defend that. Todd Bowles knows what he's doing on defense (laughs) and he has an infinite, it seems like supply of guys that he can deploy in any way that he wants. Talent is not the problem. I think that that's the biggest that's that's the biggest issue when you look for points for Green Bay. If this game was yeah sitting around like two and a half three, 
I feel comfortable just taking the Packers knowing it's Rodgers versus Brady and anything could kind of happen in probably a low scoring game. But with the line being one in Tampa, Tampa's home opener, they're at home for the first time. One point obviously is basically just like a pick em game. So crazy. I'd take Tampa to win. I, yeah. That's what I said. My final score prediction would have been 16. It's like 16 to 10. That's what I think is yeah. going to happen. So that's kind of what I believe. And it's going to be hot, by the way. Oh, it's it always like is, brother. It 80, always 80, is. 80-something, Tampa's wearing the white jerseys. Packers are going to be wearing green, so they're yeah. going to be soaking up the sun. Yeah. I don't – this is going to be a fun game. I think both teams are going to learn a lot about mm-hmm. themselves. I want to believe. I'm firmly in I want to believe. I just can't pull the trigger yet with that defense. I can't do it. I can't do it. Tampa's defense is awesome. I think – I think Tampa is the best team in the NFC. They're the only team I would probably take the Packers to lose in a game in the NFC. What do you think about the Eagles? Can we, can we, I know this okay. is like a Packers, Packers Bucks like preview pod, but like, what do you think about the Eagles so far? Dude, their offensive line is crazy. Their offensive line is crazy. Boys. And the, the overreaction in week one, when people were like this defensive line that everyone said was not a two deep, but a three deep. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wow, they're getting bullied by the Detroit Lions. And it's like, guys, those are the best two offensive lines in football right now. I don't know if you guys realize that. Those are the the best two offensive lines in football. Um, I think Minnesota got caught with their pants down. Their secondary is a mess. Like, they were just turning guys loose um, with four-man rushes on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was bailing clean pockets in that game. Um, So I, I think Philadelphia, I bet them before week one, to win the NFC East. I put like 50 bucks down on them winning the NFC East. I'm happy that's going to cash. Great bet. That's good. That's going to cash. Really excited because I lost a ton of money first two weeks of the season. Um, <laughs> Look, but, but it's, yeah, they're, so, they're solid. They're fun. AJ Dude, Brown. I... AJ Brown is the one wide receiver move that like actually hurt. It felt like as a Packers fan, like DK, I felt like was never really in the cards. Mm. Debo was never really in the cards. Mm. Trading for Marquise Brown. That that never really made sense, right? Like some of the, like to trade up for a rookie wide receiver, like it's not like any of these guys are going crazy as of yet, right? right? Like none of those really hurt. They were all understandable that the Packers passed. Mm-hmm. The AJ Brown trade is the one where I'm like, dude, I probably would have done that. Like AJ Brown's a really cool wide receiver and he could yeah. immediately help you the moment he steps on a practice field. And he's done that immediately for for the philadelphia eagles what do you get like 15 targets and like over 150 yards in like the first game like it's just yeah. it's just wild the dude's just good at wide receiver there's no doubt about it i, I think always compared him really to like super anquan bolden yeah and now people he, that's are like the mold that's the people mold. Are like he's like t.o and i'm like he i don't know if he's there but like <laughs> he can he can he's making a huge impact for the team but he's like that kind of wide receiver that's like super strong dense nobody wants to tackle can run through tackles like all that stuff but like dude i the reason why i asked that because one i love hearing your opinion on all teams because i think you're incredibly smart at watching football and having opinions but uh before the season we did like full-on win-loss predictions for teams Mm -hmm. i used that like I don't, I don't remember what website it is. It's like that season simulator where, you know, like you go through every game every week of the season and you just pick a winner and loser. And then at the yeah. end of the year, it spits out what your standings were. I had the Eagles at 13 and four. And I'm like, I am high <laughs> as a kite. I'm like, there is no way this is happening. They have like the easiest schedule in the NFL. And yeah. now they have this team that's doing this shit. Yeah. It's their dude. They are in, I think they're an easy double digit win team. So for you to already have a bet for them to win the NFC East, oh, I think that's going to be. I think they could be the one, the one seed. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, just like could. the strength of schedule. I mean, Dallas is out. Who knows how long Dak is going to be out? Right. Yeah. I don't think. I know the Giants are two and zero. I don't think anyone's buying that. I don't think Washington's <laughs> any good. Right. So I mean, that's six games right there. So oh, easy. Huh. So all right, Eagles. Plug all your stuff. Uh, I want every everyone listening consuming anything trevor sycama sure uh on twitter it's where all my shenanigans are hosted at tampa bay trey um doing a lot of cool stuff for pff this year mainly 
We have a daily show. Myself and Mike Renner are doing it 11 a.m. Eastern on PFF's YouTube. It's every day. It's an hour-long show. We're talking like funniest clips, funniest tweets that we see on the timeline every day. We're doing all sorts of like previews for all the games coming up. We attack it from a betting angle. Um, and we're just trying to have a lot of fun. It's a different kind of PFF show. Uh, we're three weeks into it. We're, we're enjoying it a lot. So if you guys aren't doing anything at 11 a.m. on weekdays, come hang out with us there. The uh, the Bachelorette's uh, PFF mic. I, I want to hear from you. So a lot of people listening to this are from the Midwest. So yes. they enjoy when Notre Dame loses, right? Oh, yes. Yep, I course. need to hear, what was Mike's reaction to the uh, Marshall loss? So I wasn't with him for it, but like, he I, he was butt hurt, man. He was hurt. <laughs> of he was, course, we got in, you're we Notre got, Dame and you lost to Marshall. Of course, you're gonna in, be hurt. We got into the show on Monday morning after that game, and I basically like I started the show and I asked him about it. I was like, I I said I think I was like, Mike, I'd ask you how your weekend was, but it was probably shit. And he just like grins and he's like, Yeah, what a good. It was not a good weekend. <laughs> so. <laughs> he uh he's having a tough time of it he's t- he's tweeting through it though you know after the Marshall loss he, yeah. he tweeted out and he's like hey you know you gotta have gotta have faith in marcus freeman you know i still got faith in him he even he even threw out the rome isn't built in the day line so our boy is coping oh. right now oh he's very hurt. hard yeah oh, the, he's the, hurt. the swing of emotions from you compete with ohio state yes like three and a half quarters yes and then you lose to marshall is like what a whiplash because I, I think people go into that. Uh, if I were a Notre Dame fan, right? I've watched enough Notre Dame games where I'm like, Brian Kelly probably doesn't keep that team close enough to Ohio State. This looks probably like not. they're trending in the right direction, right? And then you lose to Marshall immediately, and it's like, well, how am I supposed to feel about this? Are we Dude, moving in the right direction or not? I I had a uh, I had a similar swing because I graduated from the University of Florida. Game one. Will you know, Anthony got, Richards throw a touchdown bro, pass this year? Bro, we got Anthony. Okay, hold on. Okay, okay. Can we? All right. Can we? Can I, just, can I tell a story? So we were watching week one against Utah, and I went into that game, and I was like, dude, I love Anthony Richardson. Extremely talented. Young kid, though. Uh, you know, first real start that he's getting to start the year. It's Utah. You know, I, I'm just like, no expectations. When they won that game, I was fucking sprinting around the office. Like, I was just going absolutely nuts. I'm like, Richardson's winning the Heisman. We're back, baby. Billy Napier's better than Urban Meyer ever was. And then the next week, Anthony Richardson cannot hit a single receiver to see us to save his life against Kentucky. So, uh, to answer your very hurtful question on whether or not he's going to throw a touchdown this year, I don't know. I don't know. I talked to Richard Johnson from Sports Illustrated and SEC Network almost daily. Mm-hmm. And the Anthony Richardson stuff, it really gets on his nerves. And he's like, you can't take away what I saw in week one. All that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, he's full-blown full cope. This guy's we talked about as a first-round pick. It's September 22nd. He doesn't have a touchdown fast. We got to get out of here because we could do this all day. Follow follow Tampa Bay Trey. I was going to say, we'll save the draft talk for a later pod. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Anytime.